good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and it's time for our weekly look at this uh, Sunday's Gospel reading. It's the famous passage of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, John chapter 4. Uh, let me. Usually I read the, uh, the Gospel reading. This is very long, and I want to make sure I have enough time to talk with Peggy Stanton uh, on how the Catechism treats this passage. So I'm, I'm just going to summarize it to begin with, okay? Uh, Jesus begins a journey from Judea back north to Galilee. It's a walk of about two and a half days. And he decides to go through Samaria. Now, along the way, he's resting at Jacob's well. And a Samaritan woman comes along uh, to draw water. It's at midday. And he initiates a conversation with her. Uh, Very countercultural thing to do, by the way. And he leads her on a journey of faith to recognize him. When she recognizes him, she goes back to her village and becomes an evangelist to her fellow villagers. And through her, they come to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Well, to help us unpack this wonderful gospel reading, we've got Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross. She's a dame of the Order of Malta, ABC News' first female Washington correspondent. We hear her regularly on Ave Maria Radio with her Malta Minute with the Catechism. And Peggy, good to have you back. Thank you, Al. It's always uh, great to go over these Gospels with you. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. Uh, I think that uh, this was a long reading. I thought I'd paraphrase it, and we can go right to what the Catechism is saying. Yeah, well, the Catechism <clears throat> brings in an awful lot of elements. I mean, there, as you say, it's a very, it's a long gospel, and uh, it touches on a lot of our values and beliefs and, and uh, what our Lord is preaching in the gospel overall. But he's, um, one thing that is interesting is that, <clears throat> pointed out by uh, Professor John Bergsma, is that um, then all the nuptial references are in this um, gospel. Had you thought of that? No, I don't. I don't think that's occurred to me. Although, on second thought, you, you certainly you have to deal with uh, the the richness of the environment. You've got the, the living water. You have uh, a fallen woman. Uh, you have the presence of the Savior. You have the merit that the question about uh, your husband uh and mm-hmm. you know you actually you don't have a husband you've had many so i, I i've mm-hmm. never seen it though as a marital passage but go ahead or have you ever thought of uh jesus in the role of the bridegroom not in this uh, passage but it makes sense no you know the yeah. bridegroom of israel is what the way professor uh, bergsman refers to him because uh, one of the things I did not know this uh, that this is where men met, went to the well and met their wives, hmm. uh, and uh, so while we're thinking of um, this is in a very large sense as when we say the bridegroom of Israel, because Samaria, as you know, had. Um, you know, broken off from uh, 
the the Israelites in general, they were from the northern area and had mixed, you know, they were the poor of the northern area, and then they had been conquered by, you know, four, five foreign nations and intermarried. And then they came back to um, to worshiping Yahweh, but they didn't do it as uh, fully with the covenant as they should have. So they were still have strayed. So that's in the sense that Berksma um, calls him the bridegroom of Israel because he, in a sense, woos her. She becomes convinced that he is not only a prophet and the Messiah, but he's the savior of the world. And then she tells the townspeople, and they too um, become convinced. So, but in the catechism, uh, let's see, paragraph 544, um, it, it talks about uh, the fact that he, that it, the kingdom belongs to the poor. And so why does that reference this? Well, it does because, after all, he's talking to a poor woman who is an outcast from her people because she's had so many husbands. Um, so it says here, the kingdom belongs to the poor and lowly, which means those who have accepted it with humble hearts. Jesus is sent to preach good news to the poor. He declares them blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To them, the little ones, the Father is pleased to reveal what remains hidden from the wise and the learned. And here we note again uh, that this is Jesus' most explicit admission in the gospel of his messiahship to this poor woman who's an outcast mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is... He sh- yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, he is very clear. Uh, he is, again, uh, make, he, he, usually he has, his messiahship is understated, there's even right. something in the history of New Testament studies called the Messianic Secret in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus seems to be uh, hiding his uh, uh-huh. Messianic status. So uh-huh. this, it makes this even uh, that much more noticeable. Uh, yes, he says, I am he. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, yeah. He, um, he shares the life of the poor from the cradle to the cross. He experiences hunger thirst, and privation. Jesus identifies himself with the poor of every kind and makes active love toward them the condition for entering his kingdom. Paragraph 545 uh, points out that Jesus invites sinners to the table of the kingdom. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He invites them to that conversion without which one cannot enter the kingdom, which shows them in word and deed his Father's boundless mercy for them, and the recounts the joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. The supreme proof of his love will be the sacrifice of his own life for the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. Paragraph 694 uh, talks about the symbolism of water signifying the Holy Spirit's action in baptism, since after the invocation of the Holy Spirit, it becomes the efficacious sacramental sign 
of new birth. And just as the gestation of our first birth took place in water, so water of baptism truly signifies that our birth into divine life is given to us in the Holy Spirit. As by one spirit we were all baptized, so we are also made to drink of one spirit. Thus the spirit is also personally the living water welling up from Christ crucified as its source and welling up in us to eternal life. And it, and I think we should note here that this is uh, where, you know, the Trinity comes into view in the sense that um, the Spirit is talked about and the, and the Spirit is the living water. Right, right. Um, uh, yeah, yes, it's, go ahead. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderfully rich passage. And um, Jesus here, uh, you point out in paragraph 728, that Jesus has not revealed the Holy Spirit fully until mm-hmm. he himself has been glorified through his death and resurrection. This, of course, later on in the Gospel of John becomes uh, the object of a good deal of instruction uh, during mm-hmm. during the, uh, the, the extended uh, Last Supper instruction that he gives the mm-hmm. apostles, uh, where he right. talks about this. The Holy Spirit uh, cannot come unless I go away. But um, yeah, he he does again in the paragraph seven twenty eight. He points out though that the Spirit uh, is. It's almost as though the Spirit is itself a revelation that is waiting to come. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that the Spirit's been active. We, you know the Spirit as, at His mm-hmm. Jesus' baptism. The Spirit is, is mm-hmm. very clear here. In John mm-hmm. four, He's talking about the Spirit as living water. So it's not as though the Spirit isn't active, but mm-hmm. you do get the impression that there's something much bigger to come with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You wonder? Have you ever thought wh- why um, the Trinity? waits so long to be fully revealed because because we couldn't handle it or what why do you think I don't know it, it, this is this is a question that comes up w- with different aspects of um, salvation history why what's what's the reason for the later disclosure of the trinity so we have even in Genesis, we've got the use of the plural when God talks about creating. Uh, mm-hmm. created man, we created man in our image. So you've got this plurality uh, in the Godhead mm-hmm. right, right there in Genesis 1. But it's, it's, right. it's somewhat obscure and uh, certainly isn't what we see in the New Testament where we have these Trinitarian formulas used a number of times. Um, mm-hmm. And why, why there's progressive revelation like that? I don't know. I mean, I think this is one of the mysteries of God's superintendence of history. He has a plan, and He's working it out. He's a long-term planner. He hasn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he he he's has the original strategic plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a he has. A, there's a reason why this becomes clearer as time goes on. I mean, it's it's with salvation history itself. We see it as 
a series of mm-hmm. covenants, but the mm-hmm. covenants are start out with Adam and Eve between mm-hmm. uh, a couple, and then it mm-hmm. moves to Noah's family, which is now a family, which is mm-hmm. now to, then next one comes with Abraham, where you've got a tribe, and then you mm-hmm. go to Moses, and now the covenant has to do with a nation. And then it goes mm-hmm. to David, and now the covenant is with an empire. And mm-hmm. then we have the promise of the new covenant, which is universal. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have this expanding circle around those God's willing to make covenant with. But exactly why that it happens that way, I don't know. <laughs> of course, of course, in the beginning, he only had a couple. Right, right. <laughs> he had to. He had to expand the human race. Yeah, as they multiplied <laughs> and filled the earth, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I think he, he prepares us. I think he prepares us for certain events that are going to happen, and his preparation can take place over a thousand years. Sure. Because <laughs> that, it means so little to him and so much to us but so a thousand what is the line of a, a thousand years is like a, one year to him yes yeah yeah the relationship between time and eternity between god and the world is deeply mysterious peggy we're out of time unfortunately uh <laughs> well, we'll, well we'll pick it up next week all right thanks much <laughs> okay. Thank you. Peggy Stanton, as we talk about this Sunday's gospel reading, The Woman at the Well, John chapter 4.